This is the Media Week Industry Podcast from the people at Media Week magazine and our new online home, mediaweek.com.au. We chat weekly with people in all sectors of the media and more podcasts just like this can be found at mediaweek.com.au or on iTunes. Welcome to a new Media Week podcast. We're going to be talking about one of our favourite subjects today, ratings, television ratings in fact. Joining us, Doug Pfeiffer, Chief Executive Officer of Oztam. Hello, Doug. Hi, James. Good to get you out of the office. Also joining me are Dan Barrett from Media Week. Hi, Dan. How are you doing? You polished off lots of your uh, TV ratings questions today? Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> the, um, the, the, um, we might assume that a lot of people know basically how Oztam works for the benefit of this discussion. We won't go through a lot of the basics. When people ask me stuff, I often refer them to oztam.com.au. Well, it's amazing the amount of uh, explanations, FAQs, it's all laid out there for you. So I, I think that's probably good to assume that uh, people have a bit of the basics covered. Um, but I thought something we should start with, the... Um, now, you're owned by the free-to-air networks, is that correct? 7, 9, and 10, that's correct. Yep, okay. But you also, because the total market likes to see what else is happening, you also cover the SBS and the ABC channels, correct? Yeah, so we measure everything that comes across the television screen. Our shareholding is 7, 9, and 10. Um, observer status to the board, we have the ABC, SBS, um, Foxtel through Astra, um, also the Media Federation and the AANA. So it's quite a broad mix that, can, that we consult with on producing the total market figures. Now you've got a pretty, um, you've got an excellent uh, research background. So just tell us um, why, what sort of skills you had that they thought he'd be good to run um, Austin. Well, I started actually installing meters in Chicago in the 80s when they converted their sample over. So I've got the on-ground experience, so I understand how panels run. How big were the boxes back then? Uh, Bigger than they are now or not really? About the same size, actually. Really? Okay. It hasn't shrunk that much. Um, what were people's enthusiasm levels for being part of the survey at that point? Is it different to today? No, it's about the same. Um, it, it's, it's how well you sell the concept in. And so we get a, a cross-section of the population. It's randomly drawn. Um, it's, it's convincing them, you, you know, to, to be a part of the having their say in what's on television. Mm. You know, the most common one is people will say is I don't watch TV, which is – that's fine. It's not based on the volume of television that you watch. It's the randomness of the sample. Yeah, because statistically, you want some people that are barely watching any TV at all. Statistically, you just want to select whatever's on the other side of that door and try to convince that person on the other side of the door to accept the meter and put them into the panel. Mm. And we do it. You know, it's been steady on getting those households into the sample um, over the years. You know, we get fifty percent that say yes straight away, and there's quite an elaborate process to get them to cooperate. Yeah. Are there, like, is there financial sort of rewards for people or is it sort of gifts or how does that kind of... Yeah, so the households can stay on the panel up to four years in the metro markets and six years in the regional markets. Um, they get like a frequent flyer program. And so the longer they stay in, the longer they cooperate when they press their buttons when they're watching TV, when they report new televisions or video equipment that could affect the ratings, then they get incentivized for that as well. They accumulate points and they can trade them in for gifts. Gift vouchers are tend to be like grocery vouchers from Woolies or Colts tends to be um, one of the top gifts. What, what they don't get is gifts like televisions or anything <laughs> that could impact oh, their viewing. No DVDs, no things like that. Okay, yeah. well, back to your CV. We got distracted. Right. 
Uh, uh, so so I, I installed meters, and then I, I came to Australia in 1990 to assist in setting up the first people meter panel there on the ground, and then worked my way through the management ranks and worked overseas and running these panels in Asia and Latin America. Um, came back to pitch for the, the Austam contract and didn't win. I was with a company called TNS at the time. Um, didn't win the contract, ended up um, joining Channel 10. And so worked at Channel 10 in the research and, and, and integration department. Um, so it gives me both sides of the fence, using the data, understanding the clients that use the data, selling using the data, and also the background of the research of how that data gets put together. So that's kind of it in a nutshell. Right, okay. Um, massive changes um, since you've since you've joined the company, I guess, the uh, one of the biggest things is the number of uh, channels, I suppose, because we, were you doing, what, to five channels? When we started... Were there any digitals when you started? Yeah, so when I first, when, when Austam was first set up, we had five free-to-air channels. Um, in 2003, we added Foxtel channels to the mix, and, and we were measuring 29 channels. Separate now, panels, though? Uh, no, it all so, came out of the same households. We, we took the... the, the pay TV households from the metro market and the pay TV households from the regional markets and created an STV universe. That's where we get that third database. Um, so 29 channels back in 2003 on pay TV, five free-to-air channels. We now have you know, 15 free-to-air channels, 16 free-to-air channels, and there's more coming. Um, it's and 19, I think. 19, yeah, yeah. Um, commercial. Um, but we <laughs> measure all of it, so 19, you're correct. Um, and we're over 100 pay TV channels that we're measuring subscription channels um, today. So the sample size has gone up slightly, and, and we'll, we'll look to address that because I think we need a bigger sample because people are spread across more options. And not just television, they're spread across more viewing options in total. Yeah. From a, um architectural standpoint at the back end, is it difficult when a channel does say, to add, say like Seven Flicks got added a couple of weeks ago, is it difficult for you guys to suddenly add this new channel into the mix? No, it's not It's not difficult at all because um, we, we reference in our reference sites. So how the metering works, if, if you think like Shazam, in the household, the, the meter picks up the audio of the channel that it's, it's, mm. it's on, the TV's on. Back at our reference sites that Nielsen have are all the possible channels and we're recording. So when a new channel pops up, we automatically record it and it, it can match to that. So if a household starts tuning to, say, when SBS Food was new, it, it'll match to that straight away. Yeah. And so we just have to inform the industry to add it to their software database and, and they can report it the next day. So you don't need to buy any new hardware or put new people on or anything? It's just no. a... Yeah. No. We just... You know, the networks inform us. We usually get tipped off quite early on when it's coming so we're aware. Mm. Um, we hold that confidentially and we prepare Nielsen to make sure they have the extra tuners and stuff inside the reference sites and we just let it run as it is. Um, and then the, it's up to the household whether they find that channel and tune to it. We don't inform the households when it's on or what's on there. They, we just let them find it as it comes. You mentioned before the, the panel. Now, you... Your site says there's 3,500 homes in the metro that's, panel. That's correct. And 1,413 in, I'll, I'm not, you can tell us why it's such an odd number, in the national subscription panel. But some of those are, houses are in both panels, is that right? Yeah, so there's about 1,750 households in the regional that is controlled by regional TAM. 
it, it's similar to Oztan, but the regional markets, um, the owner ownership is with the regional t TV stations. Um, the panel that we take out, that probably needs to be updated. Um, we, we take the pay TV households, hardwired pay TV households in the metro, and the ones in the pay TV, uh, sorry, in the regional, and we put them together, and that gave you that number. But that's, you know, that, that continues to grow as households add those subscriptions as well. Right, okay. The, um, the, now, just explain to people who don't understand RegTAM and OzTAM, Nielsen actually does all the research for all ratings, don't they? Is That's that correct. correct. Yep. So Nielsen's a big international company um, from the U.S., um, that's who I used to work for a long time ago. Um, they do all the field work. They own the hardware and the equipment and have the processing skills to do it. We own the copyright, and Regional TAM owns the copyright to their data. So we set the specifications. We tell them that we want 3,500 households and X percent should be in Sydney and X percent should be in Melbourne, et cetera. And they install it and they work to KPIs that we agree to. And so they're our suppliers. So they're our contractor to the service. Right, okay. Another big change is the introduction of consolidated. We've probably had the seven-day consolidated for, what, two years, I'm guessing now? No, a bit since longer. 2010. Oh, okay. Well, that long? Yeah. Wow, well, okay. So Oztam's been around 16 years, and, and that surprises me as well um, that it's, that's gone so quickly. Um, in 2010, we switched from a live-only currency where we added playback up to seven days. And we still see that 90% of viewing is live. We've just launched, um, coming up on Monday, the 28 days. So we call it 8 to 28 days. Um, you can now see that people are holding content a bit longer, um, in particular the, the dramas and, and movies and miniseries and stuff, tend to be held a little bit longer and shifted a bit more. Things that get played live tend to be sport and news and stuff with, and, and reality, stuff that has immediacy to it that might be, you know, have a spoiler if someone talked about it. You, I, I remember, um, I think I was on a panel with you at uh, Spa probably a couple of years ago now, and you talked about back then that there was very little viewing outside the seven days because you'd, you'd done some, I don't know, you'd looked at some figures between that day eight and day 28 and you said there was very little. Is that starting to climb? Um, yeah, it, it's growing a bit. It's still small in comparison to what is live and what is played back within seven days. Um, out to eight to 28 days, there's, there's one to two percent occurring. Um, but out of all playback, out of the hours of playback during a given four-week period, there's about 15 to 20 percent of it occurs, and that tends to be those dramas. So people have the ability to create their own box sets and hold content, and they can take a drama like Offspring and sit on it for three to four weeks and then watch it all in one go. And that's the type of content. The other, the other genre that tends to, to get shifted a fair bit is children's content. So kids like to see the same content over and over. And so they'll hold a piece of content, and we see a piece of content on children's stuff survive for even past four weeks. They'll just play the thing over and over and over. So think like the Wiggles or Peppa Pig constantly coming home after school and watching similar episodes or the same episode. Yeah. When you're looking at the statistics between how much people are watching things on time delay against internationally, is it fairly comparable, or does it really sort of shift quite dramatically sort of market to market? No, it looks very similar from what I've seen from, say, the U.S. or the U.K. or even, even the Netherlands I looked at the other day. It's very similar. Mm. Um, people will still watch sport live, and sport makes up a, a large proportion of, of live viewing. I mean, it's immediate, and you need to know the result, and there's fanatics out there. And so 
it's that drama again that tends to be shift, but the percent tends to be around the same. Um, in this market, we probably don't have we don't have the pay TV coverage that they do in the U.S. We're at thirty percent, and they're at eighty to ninety percent. Mm. Um, but even then, it still looks about the same. People still come home and watch a lot of linear television. Uh, in terms of the actual sample size, you said that you'd like to get more people on board now that we've seen an increase in the number of channels available. And of course, there are viewing options that exist outside of the free-to-air broadcast. So with that in mind, I've heard it said before that the Australian sample uh, size is actually much higher than you do find in a lot of other countries. Would you be looking to increase it still Like with that in mind? Like is it... Yeah, there's several reasons why. And, and, and Australia does have one of the largest samples per capita. Mm. Um, if you look at and you take regional and Austin and put them together, we're over 5,000 households for 23 million people, um, where the UK is about 5,000 for 42 million people. Um, but what happens over time and what we've seen over the last 10 years is that as you add, keep adding more channels, you're spreading that sample across more channels. And, and more options. And so you're getting fewer viewers um, to rely upon at a given point in time on a channel. Um, so what, what we call the, the, the weights of the household or the weights of the individual, so how much they count for. So the average weight of a person you know, 10 years ago might have been 2,000 individuals. It might be 3,000 now. And so by adding more sample in, you're going to just reduce that volatility a little bit more. Um, and, and so we're looking at ways to do that and, and discussing with, with the, you know, the options that we have in the market now. Mm. And I mean, it takes a serious financial investment sort of increasing the number of people, surely. It does. It, it's not a, you know, if, if you look at television, we're probably one of the most um, overmeasured, not overmeasured, but um, complete measured or scrutinized uh, media that's out there. We get measured minute by minute every single day, and it's out there mm. at 9 a.m. And if it's not out there at 9 a.m., the phone starts ringing, where is the data? <laughs> where other, other measures are diary-based or recall-based or um, delivered weekly, monthly, or whatever. So, you know, it, it's, it is an investment, but um, that's where people are investing their dollars, and, and we need to make sure that it's robust. So... We have to invest in the currency. Yeah, and the, how, uh, sorry. Um, how frequently do you miss that 9 a.m. deadline? Um, this year, only a couple of times. We had we had an outage with um, the telephone provider mm. um, where we couldn't get the data back, and that was not a Nielsen issue. Um, and so, over the last, um, we we went for a long streak there for a period. We went about 700 days without missing that deadline. And then we missed, and we missed a couple of times. But it's usually the fault of a telephone company or something that where we can't get the data back and get significant enough sample. Now, the meters will store the information for up to seven days, so we can always get that data back. Yeah. And so we don't miss anything. Was that 700 days up on the wall somewhere? Where I'm sure the no. Nielsen guys had it up <laughs> on the wall. Good to see you blaming someone else there, Dave. Always. <laughs> the, um, um, what was I going to ask you then? The the the, the you're talking about uh, the accountability of TV to its advertisers by the data you supply. The digital people might argue with you because they say they're by far the most accountable medium and you could probably see that by the sort of increased dollars they continually get. Is that one of your challenges to, to sort of keep um, keep the TV advertisers happy and sort of, you know, um, ensuring them that they the money they spend with TV, which is still significant, um, is worth it? 
Yeah, well, uh, my job is to make sure that we measure as accurate as ac accurately as possible and, and, and report the results so that, that decisions can be made. As far as being, um, you know, this is sample-based measure, and, and that has its issues. But if you look at the issues that the digital measurement faces, you've got fraud and viewability. And, and you know, I, I was just in the U.S. Um, two weeks ago, and a stat that came out was, you know, only 48% of stuff that's on the Internet is actually seen by a, a real viewer. And so you start to say, well, you can be as accurate as you want, but if it's not being seen, then you've got a problem. Um, and, and look, and, and there, there's ways to clean that up, and people are cleaning that up. But it's all about accountability, and that's, that's where we take it seriously, and we, we invest the money into making sure our samples are large enough and that our data is robust. So as digital companies, the, the actual broadcasters know exactly how many people they've they, they don't have to do an estimate. Now, let's talk about your figures. So it, it is really an estimate of how many are watching, isn't it? Because that's where a lot of people don't quite understand. They go, oh, gee, how can you know exactly how many Australians tuned into a current affair last night? And, and all ratings, television ratings around the world are based on estimates. Um, we, we, it's based from a sample, and you project to the universe, so it's always going to be an estimate. Where your accuracy and, and the reliability comes in is how well you do the groundwork in terms of your establishment survey and how you recruit and how you get the highest recruitment rate possible, um, and then how you quality control the households, one, to make sure that they're pressing their buttons and you know all the details. So it, it, they are estimates, but um, you know, using the data over time and understanding how to um, use averages and make sure that you use broader demographics to get a bigger sample size. If you're going to use a small sample size, say, teenage boys in Sydney, you know, 13 to 15 years old, you're going to get a bounce in your numbers just based on there's less people in that sample. That's just statistics. Yeah, but the is it, would I be right in thinking the, the big shows with the biggest audiences, is your estimate of that audience going to be more accurate than maybe a really niche little program where there might be many people watching? Yeah, the plus or minus variable around the bigger numbers are, are smaller because you've got more people saying that they're watching it. So the confidence intervals is, is a bit smaller. Um, so if you, get a, if you get a smaller number, then your plus or minus factor tends to grow. Just, just explain to us there. when you're talking about the plus or minus factor. So if you have a rating of a 10, you might have in a sample of a certain size, say a couple hundred, you might have a plus or minus of a point on either side of that or two points on either side. If you have a rating of a three, it might be a plus or minus of a one, which is a 30%, or it might be a plus or minus of a two. So the, the volatility around that number. But there's techniques of using four-week averages, looking at that same program over time, um, that, that reduces your chance of or gives you a better estimate of what that program is rating. Because mm, we, we put a lot of uh, ratings out on social media. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of sports fans love their sport, and they get really upset when their sports get small ratings. And we get a lot of feedback. You get a lot of people angry at Oztam. They blame us. They blame Oztam. <laughs> uh, when they ask us for more information, I always make sure I refer them to your website, which I think is a, a real eye-opener for a lot of people because then they sort of understand how you do it. But what do you say to people? Like, I mean, we get a lot of... Feedback, particularly the A-League, really seems to annoy a lot of people <laughs> that they, they just can't believe that some of those audiences are so small when they see big crowds going to the games and then really tiny audiences watching on TV. Is that, I mean, are you, could there be more watching than, than you, your estimates? Oh, there could be more, there could be less. 
Um, that's what an estimate is. Um, I, th- I think with Australia and sports in particular is that we've got so many codes of football in this market you've got in this country. You've got NRL, AFL, Rugby Union, um, the soccer, the A-League. And so you're splitting the viewers across a lot. Now, there's die-hard sports nuts that will probably watch all of it. Um, there's some now. If you have a, a big attendance at a game, those people won't be at home. They won't be counting in the ratings if they had a box in their house if they went to the game. And so, unless someone unless they watch a replay watching. when they get home before unless two a.m. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, look, and and we see in markets where um, Melbourne and the, the southern states where AFL does a lot better. Obviously, it's a it's an AFL market, and NRL does well in Sydney and Brisbane, and then. And then the A-League does okay across the other, other states. But it also depends on the penetration and the channels you're on as well. Um, you know, if you're on free-to-air, then you're going to have a bigger reach because you're on most TV sets in the household. If you're on uh, subscription only, then you're going to reach fewer households, so your numbers are going to be smaller. It's, it, that's just the way it works. Um, or even if you're on SBS, um, we see that the numbers can be a little bit smaller. And it's about opportunity and reminding. The heavy viewers know when it's on. It's the lighter viewers and catching them. So I get these com- I get these questions all the time about the Oztam sample and can it be right? I get it from TV producers. Everyone thinks their program should do better than what it does. Um, but if you look over time, it's been th- th- there's some consistencies around it. And when we see numbers move, it's usually that the, there's been a change to the program lineup. We see a new program coming in um, that's successful and it has an impact. There's only so many viewers out there to watch at a certain time of the day. I mean, it's a very serious business, isn't it? Because people's careers depend on on these ratings. They, you know, they. So you've got to always treat it fairly seriously. But do you ever tempted to say, "Oh, yeah, look, sorry, it's a hundred thousand. We forgot to count." Yes, it did do a lot better. <laughs> no, no, no. We 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 have people trolling through it, and we've got an auditor that goes through it, and the system's robust enough to know. So, is there a bit of manual? You know, do people check it before those? The sort numbers, of results pop out the numbers are checked to make sure that we the numbers make sense so that we have all the households. So an example would be is if we lost a signal coming into a market on one of our reference sites and it couldn't match, and we see that the numbers are not normal, they, you know, they're abnormal compared to last week or last night, we might go back and look to see that we had all the data coming through. And that's how we know they've been phone problems, etc. And so we'll hold the data back to make sure that we get the largest sample coming through delivering the complete picture. Yeah, I'm um, just speaking of questions and James mentioned social media earlier. Uh, we did put the question out to our followers on Twitter, just if they had any questions for you. And there was one question that came through that kind of caught my eye. Uh, Jeff Miles was just asking what Ozham think about the way that networks uh, split the coding of various programs to appear better in the ratings. And I thought I might just sort of shift the question slightly. So instead of really what you think, maybe has there ever been discussion about Ozham setting very firm rules in regards to making sure that things occurred in specific ways. So sports, for example, you could have maybe like a pre-show, the game itself, and then like post-show is like a industry standard rather than these weird little shows they set up. Yeah, look, we, this, is a, this is a conversation that has occurred on our technical meetings and, and, it, and it comes up from the use of our data. Um, we take the logs and, and the lineups from the networks as given, so you'll always get those, especially with reality programs where they chop a program and they'll make it, a winner announced and they'll mm. grab the highest minutes. Um, it's not ideal. Um, it's for their publicity so they can get the top rating programs. Um, we've had discussions about how to 
have secondary descriptions to put that in, how to um, set some standards. But at the moment, we continually take the logs from the broadcasters, and it's how they encode it. Um, but the users do get frustrated because if you want to look at, say, um, The Bachelor or MasterChef or Kitchen Rules, you want to just analyze that whole series, it makes it a little bit difficult in the software to do. So we'll continue to have those discussions. Ideally, we could clean that up, mm. to be honest. The, um, I'm interested to know what happens if I'm on your panel mm. and I suddenly subscribe to Netflix. Mm-hmm. Does that, do I have to, uh, we, I guess I don't need to reveal it because you'd know straight away, but what, what does that show up in the data? So the household will view as normal, and, and if you go back to our multi-screen report, which is on our website, if you go to oztam.com.au and look at the multi-screen report that's up there, you'll see a proportion of viewing is live, you'll see a proportion of viewing is playback, and then you'll see this other. So we know when the TV is on and it doesn't match our reference site. So if you rent a DVD or you go to Netflix and it's not broadcast television, it goes into that other bucket. So your when what we see with households that get over the top services, their other bucket of viewing tends to increase. Right? So you wouldn't know it was Netflix. I would know. I would know it's something other than broadcast TV. I don't know if it's House of Cards. I don't know if it's a video game. I don't know. You're using the TV for something else. I know the TV's on, but I can't match to what you're watching. So it could be YouTube, or it could be Netflix. It could you, be. you aren't able to tell. No, it, I just know it's being used for something else. And that, that's, that's increasing over time. People are using the TV. As more TVs become um, connected and, and, and there's more smart TVs connecting to the Internet, they have the capability of using that television set for other, other viewing choices. Yeah. Now, the reason you don't know is because it's all audio matching. That's so right. unless Netflix have provided you all of their content library with all of their audio, you wouldn't be able to tell. But the interesting thing with Netflix shows is that at the beginning of Netflix originals, they've got that very distinctive sound, much like HBO <laughs> have the shh, Netflix have the bump bump. Have you thought about maybe putting that in a system and just seeing how often that comes up? That has been asked. Um, we, we, you, you look very uncomfortable in your chair then. <laughs> no, I mean, that's only a, a short little burst of sound. We actually look at the sound over a long period of time. Sure. Um, so, you know, if we're matching House of Cards and it's got that little noise at the beginning, we're actually looking at the, the, the audio of House of Cards and then we match it back to House of Cards. I could easily get a copy of House of Cards and put it on my reference site and saying, take all the other broadcast stuff and match it to and I could find... Netflix We'd only need content. the theme music for all these shows, wouldn't you? Presumably. Because uh, your customers would love to know, wouldn't they? Oh, my customers want to know. There's no mm. advertising there. so No, but not they, competitively, they'd like to know. Most people want to know what, in total what's going on. I think that's why we continue to introduce like 8 to 28 days. People aren't going to necessarily trade off 8 to 28 days of playback. But it, you want to know, from a research point of view, how many people are actually holding your content and doing other things with the television set. If you look at 8 to 28 days, some of that content is in that other bucket past that seven days. Up till now, we've been shoveling it over there because if someone sat down and watched three episodes of, of um, Offspring f- three weeks from broadcast, it's going to go in that other bucket, but it's really broadcast television. It's just been delayed. And, and so that, that has increased over time as well, and so people are doing things differently. From a research point of view, everybody wants to know what everybody's doing, not just on the TV set, but what they're doing in the household. You know, what are they doing on their phones? What are they doing on their tablets? What are they doing? And, and also, what are they doing out of home? You know, how do we measure the constant question we get is how do we measure pubs? 
You know, the, the, we measure the number we put out for sporting events is 1.2 million people watch the AFL on the weekend. Um, there's there's a, a large number of people that are watching it outside the household. There's never going to be a way to fix that, is there? No, they do. Um, if you look in the market, some, and we trialed the technology last year, there's portable meters that, that, that work off like a Fitbit paging device that um, it works a little bit different where the broadcaster encodes a watermark, an audio watermark into the signal, and these devices pick it up. Now, Nielsen are working on that. They own a company called, they bought a company called Arbitron, which has that technology. They're shrinking that down to a telephone, to a mobile phone. So you're in the pub with a mobile phone on, it can match that up and say how many people are watching. Well, they just have them in pubs? Because um, they no, wouldn't need to these, link it to people. These they? devices are carried by people. It's got a motion detector on it, and it picks up the audio. It's a little bit different. So but that it, can't tell multiple numbers, though, can it? It can tell. It can tell. I wouldn't know if there's two people or 50. No, but see, you're switching from the, the, the interesting point. What we measure today is we measure the appliance called the television set that sits inside the household. And then the household members log into a meter that says, you know, dad's A, mom's B, and then the kids C, D, E, and F, and there's a spot for visitors. If you look at a, a portable people meter, a PPM they're called, and this is what Canada runs it on, um, their ratings on, you're measuring the person. So the person, you assign the person the meter, he takes that with him anywhere he goes. They actually measure TV and radio off the same panel. And so you start to measure multimedia with this as well. And they do that in several markets. And we've had a trial. We've had encoding on 7, 9, and 10. And we've had, you know, 50 portable meters in the market last year. And, and, and we're trialing different technologies to see if it, if it is acceptable in this marketplace. Um, but some markets actually use that as their currency. I'm led to believe Arbitron went very close to winning the, um, the radio tender here once, probably a, a little over a decade ago when they... Uh, radio market nearly went to our portable people meters but backed off at the last minute because they were still not 100% sure. Yeah, so some of the Nordic countries have it. Um, there's 80,000 of them installed individuals carrying them for the radio markets in the U.S. and that's what Nielsen runs now. And so radio is on, you know, completely electronic and you can get minute-by-minute minute data there. And you can get daily data if you want. Um, so it's an option. Um, at the moment, as I say, we're measuring the television set, which I think it leads us to the next question you're probably going to ask is our second screen measure. Um, you know, we're measuring the television set, and that's where most of the viewing goes, but more and more content's being put up on um, video players. So you've got 7Play, and you've got 9Now, and you've got 10Play, and you've got Go, and all these players, iView is one of the bigger ones, um, SBS On Demand. More and more content's going up there, and people are using these other devices to stay close to content, and they're using them like a TV set. Now, the majority of the viewing is to the big screen, but if they can't get to that big screen or they want to stay close to a piece of content or they have spare time throughout the day, we're seeing, you know, 20, 30 million minutes of viewing a day on other devices and we built a collection system to capture that now. We'll talk, I want to talk about some of those stats that you sure. publish in your multi-screen report and I think we've both got questions about that. But yeah, uh, just briefly, just before we get to that, um, how often does a person have to press the button to be registered as being in the room? So as soon as the TV comes on, the box will light up. The box looks similar to a clock radio, mm. if anyone has one of those anymore. <laughs> Sorry, um, I'm confused by this idea. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's called your mobile phone. Um, so it, it lights up and it says who's in the room, and, and then you log in. And if you don't log in straight away, it starts flashing. We've actually added the capability to make the, 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 the box beep. 
And so to get their attention to say, you're not logging in. If they don't log in over a certain period of time, they don't count the ratings that day and they'll get a phone call and, and we'll beat them into submission. We'll convince them to, to log in. The, one, of the, one of the problem areas we've always had in most markets around the world is teenage, teenagers in their bedroom. You know, they turn on the TV and they're doing other things and they're, they don't log in and the meter just runs and then they fault the entire household. So they have to log in as soon as they go. And then if they don't, a certain period of time, they're going to get edited out for that day. And then they'll get called. If they don't cooperate over a certain period of time, they're going to get removed from the panel. Yeah. How many meters can you have in one house? It's on every up, single TV. So up to how many would you go to? As many TVs as they have. What, six, seven? Yes. Yeah. Really? Yes. What's the average number of TVs in the Australian household? Two. Two? It's declining. Yeah. So it used to be about 2.2, and we've actually seen the number of television sets go backwards over time. And, and I think it's because the, the number of screens in the household has actually gone up. And so when I used to present the multi-screen report, I used to say that the preferred screen is the big screen that hangs on your wall, but preferred can be anything. I, I see people in my household watching content on a tablet, when there's a TV in the room with mm. headphones on and they're watching from a PC or a tablet and, and you go, why are they doing that? They prefer to move around with the piece of content or that piece of content is only delivered to that tablet. It might be a stand subscription that's only to tablets in that household and not being able to throw into the TV set. So preferred screen means something different and also there's so much content out there. We, we've actually seen the number of TVs but people will watch on other devices as well. And that's the reason the broadcasters are putting more content up there so they can access this content. Just on that people meters, the, are there still any TV markets with a diary left in Australia? Because I know the Northern Territory was one of the stand holdouts. I don't um, think they've had a diary in there in years. So there's um, no diaries at all? I don't even North. think they have measurement. The well, they just don't measure it at all. They haven't been so measured. So they used to do diaries up there for maybe what, two surveys a year or something. And Some of the regional markets used to be that way. Um, they've, we've got meters now in a regional town has meters in Western Australia, and, and, and we're looking at metering more of the country as well um, to get more coverage. Yeah, um, I'm thinking about my personal viewing habits where from about 10.30 at night, I'm falling asleep on the couch, convincing people in the house that I'm still awake and watching the TV <laughs> and convincing myself of that, but I'm not really paying attention. Um, how am I getting counted? So if you're in the room with the TV on, mm. then you're logged in. Okay. We will have people falling asleep. We're not, we, don't, we don't ask them, are you watching the television set? Yeah. We ask them. It's well, we better start in it, um Dan Barrett's household. Yeah, I mean, Colbert would be performing much better at night, I think. <laughs> he, uh, so if you, if you started watching at 9 o'clock and you watched until 9.30, 10, and then you drifted off, then the meter's still going to register you in there. Um, it's opportunity to see. So the definition of television in this market is in the room with the TV on. Mm. And so we instruct people to log in, in and out as they enter yeah. and leave the room when it's on. Which makes sense, because subliminally, I'm sure I'm probably picking up advertising messages and stuff through that. I'm sure you are. I've been buying a lot of carpet recently. I don't know why. <laughs> Another Nutribullet. <laughs> and again, before we get to multi-screen, about the data you can see now, you, I'm pretty familiar with the quarter hour uh, breakdown for all the five metro markets. There's the um, the, the rankings that, that come out, ranking the shows. Um, if I'm a subscriber to your data... Or did, can you? Who gets the minute by minute breakdown? Is that only the stations, or can advertisers get that as well? The agencies, most of our agency clients have it. Um, there are different levels of subscription. You can subscribe only to the quarter hour. 
Um, you can get it on a less frequent basis to reduce the price if you wanted to go monthly instead of daily. Um, but the the minute-by-minute the minute data, all, all major agencies here have it, and they can look at their campaign right down to the minute. And that, that's been available in Australia for, since meters have been around. Okay. There's, I've noticed a tendency lately for more... Uh, reach and peak figures creeping into some press releases. I know it's been frowned on in the past, and stations were pretty good at not doing it, but it, it's starting to creep in a little bit more. Any, any comment on that? Um, look, it's a, it's a valid statistic. Um, the, the television, I think there's a disconnect. Well, listen, tell us why it is. Well, it's how many people consume that piece of content over that length of that and what's content. And what's the... So what qualifies for the reach audience? What have you got to do to count in reach? So the user can set that, so it's variable. You can set it down to the minute and say the person had to consume at least a minute of the content, say it's an hour program. So they had to cons consume at least one minute. You can set the, if you want to see if they're a little bit more sticky and, and really engaged in the program. So what's going to be higher, the shorter time? Yeah, the shorter one. So, so we can set it to a five minute. A, shouldn't there be a specification? So that means that reach figure is meaningless if everybody's got different we ask, we ask, We ask the user, the, the producer of the, any OzTam data, to put a footnote in that says what they're actually doing so it can be replicated. So the user that sees that piece of um, research that's out there, um, be it a press release or whatever, they can look at it and say that's a one-minute reach or that's a five-minute reach. You can set it to five minutes continuous, so they had to watch five continuous minutes. You can say, watch five minutes of any part of the program. Um, so it's up to the user. But we ask them to put down the demographics they're using, the time period they're using, um, the channels they're using, and, and put enough information. There's guidelines on that. And they're pretty good at that. Now, the reason the reach figures, I think, are, are creeping into the, the, the thing is because, you know, if you look at, if you look at the digital media, they're out there talking about stream starts. And stream starts are not average audiences. Stream starts, you know, is, is somebody that's been there for a couple of seconds. And so one example that I saw the other day was SBS put a piece of content up on uh, Facebook, and it had an auto start on it. And they, the next day they said there were 2 million viewers that were reached by mm. this piece of content. And if you actually looked at how many people watched less than three seconds, it was a million, 1.1. So more than half scrolled through it. So that's okay as long as you label that and put it out there. Now, if you worked out an average audience like television does, it was probably around five or 6,000 viewers that actually, on average, watched the minutes of content. So it falls from two down to 5,000 quite quickly. Similarly, can a peak also have variable? A peak is a peak minute. That's going to give you the answer. So that's, that's always that's a the minute? Highest. That's always the highest so you're going to get. Okay, and that's someone who, who has had to watch for one minute. That's that's the total of the highest. So if there's a yeah, the a maximum time program, of people watching yeah, for one minute. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. As yeah. long as they label that that's the peak minute, then you can see the highest amount that 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 reached. And in those, you talked about the stream starts. Like for example, in Ten Play or an SBS uh, catch up, there might be four stream starts in a in a program. Yeah, so so it, that could, if they're just counting stream starts, that could be multiply the audience by four if you're only counting stream starts. Is that correct? It, it can. If, that, if that's how they set up there and they've got the ad breaks in there, then starts can 
be chopped up several different ways. So that's why if you look at our second screen measure, we, we introduced a term called VPM rating, and VPM is video player measurement. We, we get all the viewing coming through the players, say iView or 7Ketchup, 7Plus, sorry. Um, and we can see how many people start the event, but we actually see how many, we take the duration into account. So we say when you look at our reports on that, you can see that Home and Away, for example, over a seven-day period, there's 50,000 devices watching those minutes of that content. Now, the stream starts could have been 300,000, but the average minute was about 50,000. So it takes into account the duration, if that makes sense. So it's, it's quite a simple calculation. You take this, the total minutes of that piece of content and divide it by the content length. And that'll give you the average but you, audience. Well, you run into a little bit of trouble is when you try to meld that with the television viewing stats. You can't really add the two, can you? Say if my, say my regional and my, my national TV audience for Home and Away was a million. Yep. And you can't really add in that and say there's a million and 50,000, well, can you? Or? We, we, it, it caused a bit of controversy when we first put the numbers out in the marketplace. Um, we, had, we had a meeting with all the, the industry representatives at the table, and they said, from a PR point of view, you can add it together. Now, they come from different – we don't know the exact same people, so you're not going to get a reach figure. It, it does give you, from a, that 50,000 that watched on other devices, it's a device number. I don't know how many people were sitting in front of that device. If it's a, a PC and three people were watching Home and Away crowded around a PC, we're only going to count it as one person. So it's probably undercounting a little bit. Okay. From a, a PR point of view, we, we decided as an industry to let that go through and you can add that one million. So you reckon it's more 50. likely to be under than over? It's probably a little bit under. Okay. And just on that too... In a way, for the people who the ratings are really key to, the advertisers, it's not that critical, is it? Because the currency is still the overnight metro figures. Yeah, so, correct? yeah, exactly. It, it, the, w ideally, we would start getting to a point where we can put them together, um, if, especially if someone's running an advertising campaign across the two. So if you're running a campaign on Home and Away, for example, on television, and you happen to buy all the pre-rolls on Home and Away on the second screens, you'd love to know the reach and frequency. Now, that's, that's a little but bit But you will because you'll get the separate figures, won't you? Well, you need to know the individuals, whether they're reached on TV and on the other devices. And right now, one comes from a sample and the other one comes from all the devices going through. I don't have the people data yet. Mm -hmm. And so one of the shortfalls of it is we don't have people information. But we get a pretty good read of how many devices are using that piece of content. It's a starting point. From a data gathering perspective, uh, obviously you want to make sure you're minimizing as many sort of biases in the data as possible. But has there been a consideration of looking at, say, Foxtel or Fetch TV that have internet-enabled boxes and being able to do some real-time measurement of programs? Because surely that would be of extreme value to your clients to be able to see that happening in real time as opposed to the free-to-wear recording data and setting it back the next day. Yeah, so uh, real time is interesting. I'll, I'll come to that. But what, what we also see with, say, um, set up box data, so return path data, as it's called, um, from Foxtel or from Fetch TV, um, it's done around the world. Um, uh, MultiView is a product that, that the, the pay TV operators use, um, but it's a sample of a subsample. So it's a, it's, a po it's a percent of the population that have that set-top box, mm. and then it gets skewed towards 
people that can afford those boxes. Course, and so yeah. it's not a it's not a true representation of the market. Um, it also doesn't cover every screen in the household. It covers the screen that has the set-top box on it, and then they still have to model the people data. The Fetch Fetch has a, a real-time application that you can see ratings coming in. It's device only. It's a television set that has a Fetch box to it. Um, are the ratings close to ours? Similar, but not always. I've seen I've seen the data, and it doesn't always hold true to what the rest of our data. So it's statistically to. far enough out for it not to be a it's, like it's, valid choice. Real-time data is interesting because you don't buy TV in real time. You lay down your plan and you submit it and you get, you know, it's four to eight weeks out or longer. But for the programmer, it's interesting. The programmer is probably standing on the ledge at <laughs> night ready to jump when they realize that it's not working or, you know. It's so not that's why they should be kept away from real I time. Would, I would. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't want to see it on a regular basis. You're like saving that. lives. I'm saving lives by not putting out real-time data. Yeah, look, I think we both want to uh, call you out on some of these multi-screen figures, mate, sure. because just we, we need verification that they're real. But before we do that, when you gather that data, you work with Nielsen quite closely. Uh-huh. They've just changed the way they measure the, the – they've really picked up a lot of the mobile audience they weren't catching before. Mm-hmm. Will that mean these figures will be quite significantly different in the next – um, they start from February in their new report. Does that mean your first multi-screen for 2016 will start to reflect some of this bigger mobile audience they're catching? I don't think it's going to be that different. They, they're actually bringing together um, different data sets and fusing them together to, to get the answer that they published in the press release today. Um, we have seen from our multi-screen report that TV is still the most dominant, but it is down. I mean, we were, you know, uh, Australians used to view over three hours of television a day forever and then the last two years it started to slip we in 2014 we finished at two hours and 59 minutes and then last year we finished at two hours and 50 so it's come off a little bit about 10 11 minutes a day but people are consuming it that's to the tv sets that we currently measure so we got to pick up that extra viewing and that's what we're trying to do if, if you look at the multi-screen report um viewing video viewing to other devices mobile has had a big boost um, it went from two hours, 47 minutes, up to four hours and 18 minutes. That's significant. So people are using those devices to consume. But you carry those with you. So it's different parts of the day that you probably weren't available to watch television anyway. Um, and then you've got you know tablets increasing from two hours to three hours. So it's the Nielsen numbers that we put together side by side. That's They're the industry currency for the online space, and we put them side by side. We just combine the AusTab and the regional TAM to to get that view. Um, and we've been tracking it over time, and it shows sensible movements. Um, the, the multi-screen report, I constantly get questions of when is, when is it coming out, when is it coming out. It's, we, if we could turn it out a bit faster, we would. Um, I probably could have sold the report 20 times over. Um, but it, it gives you a good indication what's shifting in the market. Um, but it also gives you the relative size of the market, where you still have 85 hours of television viewing a month. It's still a big number. Even though people think, you know, you constantly hear that television's dead. It's not well, dead. Okay, it's well, just let's changing. address that. I mean, <laughs> we read in the press all the time, look, TV, people aren't Stop watching anymore. Writing it. They're doing other stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and you look at these figures and the cynics go, oh, come on, look, who owns Oztam? It's 7, 9, and 10. 
And let's just use that TV stat for a start, okay? It went down, dropped the minute, did it? Whoa, to 259. Okay, now it's back to 250. But but come on. I mean, these figures seem to move by such a small amount for what people talk about, this massive disruption. Well, if you, if you think about it's time spent, and that's, that's where you look at the top-rating programs. We used to have programs that rate 2 million used to be a good number. Exactly. And, and now we're down to 1.3, 1.4. Well, hey, hey, hang um, on a minute. That's very rare. These days, if you're doing north of 800, you're probably <laughs> doing oh, a high five. And, and look, there's, and that's where we added more channels. And the amount of television hasn't changed that much. It's, it's just spread across more channels. Um, what we do see is that the other viewing choices have, have pulled back that 10 minutes a day, um, where we've got certain days of the week or certain days where we're not reaching. So... Um, Instead of, let me give you an example, we used to, 10 years ago, we used to reach 75% of teenagers in a given day with television. Now we only reach 50%. It takes us seven days to get. So in in some demos and categories, there are really big movements. Well, there's big movements because they have so much choice and they're across other devices and across other screens. So they're, they're, and they're using not just television content, but... but that statistic you just quoted, not to have a bigger impact, there must be people at the other end of the spectrum who are watching a hell of a lot more. The older audience, if you look at the multi-screen report, and this is not anything new, the older demographics have more time. They don't work as often. They may not be working And there's at more all. of them now. There's more of them. We're an aging population. So the median age of the television viewer has definitely gone up. But this is the same in every market around the world. But the main thing, if you look at, and this is probably back to your question about reach figures creeping in, we reach about the same amount of people in a given week. We definitely reach the same amount. There are people out there that say they claim they never watch any television, but that's claimed. And then you ask them about usually about a sporting event or a news event, and they go, oh, yeah, I watch that. Mm. Now, do they watch live or do they watching more um, playback? Are they time shifting and holding it? And that impacts some of these numbers as well because every time you record stuff and shift it out, you can't watch live TV when you do play it back. And so it's, it's the combination of devices in the household, um, access to more content, and access to more channels that's changing these figures. Now, you were saying that teenagers were largely affected. Uh, Teenagers traditionally have always been a little bit sort of um, hardest pinned down, I'd probably presume, because, you know, they're in a stage of life where they're just constantly out and about and doing stuff. I'm always curious about, like, the 25 to 39 sort of year old demos. Like, are you seeing sort of a fair bit of movement sort of around there? Um, Yeah, a little bit. one of, the, one of the facts, if you kind of go back through, and I'm talking 10 years of data or 15 years of data, we, we as a society are leaving, um, you know, having the first child in your household. When you have a child in your household, the first time you have a child, then you start watching more TV. Yeah. You stop going out. So you're, yeah. you can't you know, afford to. You, you haven't got the time. Your wife's not going to let you. Well, there's that. Um, so you stay home and you start watching TV. We've actually left having that first child a lot longer. Mm. And so that demographic over time has watched less TV, but they also have impacted by other things in, in, and, and they have access to um, other devices, etc. We also, it, it's fascinating. You've got to take the ABS data and kind of use it with the TV data to understand how the market's shifting. You know, kids staying at home longer, um, they might watch a little bit differently. They're watching on other devices in their home. Um, or you know, if they're moving out, then it's completely different because they're watching with, they're in control of everything, but they're probably out more as well. So life stages, as you get older, triggers certain triggers like a child. Um, if you retire, you'll watch more TV. 
Is it harder at all getting people nowadays, aged between, say, maybe like 18 to 22, 23? Like talking to a lot of my peers over the last, you know, few years and people a little bit younger than I am, uh, I've noticed a massive trend in people not getting a TV when I've moved out of home for the first time because they've got their iPad or they can stream whatever. Why are you finding difficulty finding that sample base? We don't have a problem finding the sample because we don't, we'll take them if they're in that. Um, yeah. we, we changed our sampling in 2013 to include households that don't have a landline. Okay, so we used to recruit up until that point. We used to recruit households based on random digit dialing to landlined in households. We started ringing households on their or individuals on their mobile phones and then recruiting that household. We started to find a different type of household on the end of that mobile only household. A little bit more rented households, a little bit more group households. So yeah. think 24-year-olds living together in Bondi Beach, for example. Um, and, and we start to see in those households where there's one TV and more tablets. Mm. So the device ratio is a little bit different than a household that has mom, dad, and a couple of kids. Um, now, we we'll also see some of those households will take Foxtel subscription with them from their parents. Yeah. You can take Foxtel Go. So we're starting to find other viewing on other devices in those households on other devices. So that's the important, again, back to the importance of measuring every screen because what we're currently measuring is the television set and we have to measure all devices and, and people. Um, some of the stats, 87.4% um, watch free-to-air weekly. Um, down, It's only down 1.88.5, I think it was, yep. the previous one. Seems very high. Um, not really. To watch it weekly. Now, is that that's people what... That's that's, that's watching. So was it everyone or is it? No, that's that's everyone. That's total people figure. We reach most people. So there's really only, you know, twelve percent of Australia but doesn't it, sit in front of a TV. You gotta you gotta week. sit back. You gotta step back and look at um, the time spent figure that I talked about. And this before. is sorry. This is free to wear TV. We're that's correct. So so if, come on. If you go back and look at the time spent, the time spent is down ten minutes a day. Right, so they're not watching maybe every day. So if you looked at a daily, yeah, but reach, once a week though. So that that's so only twelve percent of Australians, yeah, are not watching any free to air TV in a week. In a week, and and, and if we looked at a four week period, that would be ninety percent. Especially, <laughs> especially with all the SVOD and all that, you're going, come on. But you still watch on, your sport. You still watch your news. You still <laughs> watch. You, you, Nah, what we see in, in SVOD households after a while is they'll binge view on SVOD households. They'll binge view a fair bit, but they will supplement. They'll come back to television and they'll start watching it. They start using that SVOD service like a, a DVD store. So majority of our households, they are watching a little bit less, but the re weekly reach is still there and the monthly reach is definitely still there. But time okay, the other one that. that really stands out for me, 91.4%. Of all TV viewing is still live. That that's another stat that's moving down, but very gradually. That, Come on, that that goes back to. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And, and then tell me what you do, and then there's a sample of one. Well, we no, I'm not. I'm, I'm just saying in general terms. So if you, I read in the newspaper, Roy Morgan Research tells me there's millions of people watching Netflix. 
Well, I'm thinking about my household where we're oh, no, very I'm much not. Oh, no, 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 I'm just thinking. That's fine. No, in my household, like we're not a sports household. So that's, I think, skews it dramatically. Because, I mean, I think you're probably, I mean, I'm sure you're right. Uh, <laughs> just in that sports households, people are watching once a week. Like I'm sure that's probably keeping that number alive. So sports are doing that. News, a lot of the things that are, have a live requirement on it. Thank my you. household, we don't watch sports mm. at all. So that's not an issue at all. But we probably still count because we watch a little bit of news. So that like, keeps us in the mix. But, but, but the so- rest of that, it's all off my partner was confused last thursday night i was watching janet king live and she had to wait around eight minutes for the show to start she was very aggressive with me at that point i I've, i find it amazing that and this is why we use people meters um claim viewing and what people think people view or claim they they want to give you the right answer i only watch news and i only watch whatever i don't watch any of this other stuff and i used the example the other day i would have to consider myself a kardashian viewer because I have a daughter. You know we're recording household. this, right? Yeah. yeah. I have to admit it. Um, my daughter, my, my wife watches MKR. And last night I sat through MKR. Now, do I go out of my way to watch it? It's not my demo. But I'm sitting there. I'm probably on my phone. But if I had a meter in my household, the definition is in the room with the TV on. Now, did I look up and watch them make, you know, the rodeo burgers, whatever they're making? <laughs> yeah, I did. So I'm exposed to television. Claim viewing, I wouldn't write that in a diary. I mm. certainly wouldn't put on a Kardashian viewer. I certainly wouldn't put on an MKR viewer. That's more like voting. And so when you see the Roy Morgan numbers come out, people tend to write down their favorites or they're not watching at all. And metered viewing is completely different. If I metered your household, you'd be surprised at the stuff you are watching that you wouldn't claim that you were watching. I'm positive of it. Yeah, now, still, James is really into Kardashians as well, though. We need to put that right out front there. He's a bachelorette. Okay, come on. The other one that I won't throw too many of these at you. That's fine. The eighty-four point five percent of all video viewing is on the traditional TV. Okay, so you know, so all this that doesn't leave much viewing on tablets, mobile phones. That would seem to me one stat that could really swing a little bit, given this new measurement of the mobile audience, perhaps. Yeah, but even if you look at the minutes of viewing that we're collecting from the broadcasters' catch-up services, it's 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 20, I think the other day we hit about 30-some million minutes per day. Now, that seems like a big number. We still collect nationally 4 billion minutes of television a day. And so... If you go back and you kind of got to... Stop dazzling me with big numbers. You got <laughs> you to look at the demographics is part of it. So you got the older audience that can view longer and they do view about five hours a day. You got the younger demographics that view an hour, an hour and a half a day, um, but not every day. And that's where their reach takes time to build. And so you're, you, as I said, the median age of the demographics getting older on a daily basis, but you can still reach the same amount. So there's... You got to look at the multi-screen report and spread it out, and look at what's happening in the households, um, and look what's happening over time. We, you know, we used to view over 90 hours of television a month, and we're at 85. So there is chiseling away at it um, as people move away from the television set to watching on other devices. Now, when you watch television on a device, it's different than watching on a TV. If you're watching on a television set, there's a higher probability of you changing the channel and watching and continue to watch longer. When you're on a device, if you're watching, you say you went in to catch up on a program, say Q&A on your tablet at lunchtime, chances are you're not going to stay around and watch the next program. There isn't a next program. Mm. And you probably go in and you go out. And we see that with the data that we, we collect. And so you're not 
seduced into watching a hell of a lot more, you're in there for a reason. Now, some people will watch a lot more on there, but in, in total, it doesn't add up to the numbers. There's a lot of volume of people sitting there with the television on every night at 6 o'clock until 10 o'clock at night when they go to bed in peak hour. And so it, it translates to the numbers that you're seeing in this report. The interesting thing is if, you know, it, it's not going up and, and it is showing that it has, has come backwards. Uh, internet connected TVs, or no, sorry, not inter internet capable TVs, I think you say about a third, yep. 32, 33%. Do you have any stats on how many of those are connected? So about three or four years ago, about a quarter of them were connected, and now about half. A quarter of that? Of that number. Of that third. Yeah, and but now we're about half connected. The TV sets, okay. the, the now these, in that number in that multi-screen report tends to be a, a smart TV. It's capable of being connected to the internet. For me, that means nothing. Any television set is capable, even if it's an old analog TV. You can take an Xbox and plug it into the internet and, and watch iView on it mm. or Channel 10 Play. And so that's connected to the internet. So capable, that, that number, that capable TV, all the TV, most of the TVs that are going to be sold now will well, be a smart TV. That's what I mean. It's hard cable. to buy one now that's not. But even Does that if, mean a lot of people still watching old sets? Yes, there are. I mean, if you go back to the, if you go back to the multi-screen report and you look at how many households are 100% digital, we're only at 97%. And it kind of amazes people, well, we haven't had analog television in the last few years. But if you have a council cleanup day in your neighborhood, you're still seeing fat screen televisions, <laughs> fat wide TVs on the curbside, and people still hang on to them. I don't know why. Either they got a set-top box or a game or something else, they're using it to receive video of some sort. Eventually, that'll get to 100% and 100% HD as well. Um, capable means I think any television set is capable. Because I can plug a game into it, I can plug, I can take an Apple box and throw content to it. So internet capable in this report is starting to become a little bit meaningless. Now, obviously, you were saying everything's like capable, but I mean, in terms of the actual strict, uh, strict definition, I'm thinking like maybe sort of TVs older than maybe five years. You had a thing where you know you might buy your Sony TV, for example, and it has internet capability, but you have to buy an extra dongle to be able to make that actually a reality. Was that still considered to be an internet capable television or not? Um, it could be capable. I'd have yeah. to look at the definition, but because TVs now have a built-in, so it's not a concern. But. And and this is where we're starting to see the number of, of connected, actually connected TVs go up. Yeah, the newer TVs. You know, when you first turn them on, they don't scan for channels. Most of them scan for your internet. Yeah, and, well, and, your Wi-Fi first. So they look for your Wi-Fi. Before, when you had a smart TV, it was quite clunky to get connected to the internet. That's getting easier. So that's going to make that. It's likely to make that other bucket grow as people find apps on there and find YouTube on there and find different things. So it's going to shift as people use their television for other things. Um, that, I think, will increase. The other one that's kind of interesting from this multi-screen report is PVR households. Um, we see that, you know, um, we're heading towards 60% of households. Well, there's households that just still watch television, um, you know, and, and turn it on and don't record things. That, and this is where that live figure comes back. And so this comes from the establishment survey as well, and we know 50% of these out of this 60% um, are Foxtel-type households. So how many of that 58%? Half. 
I've just over half. Yeah, about half. Yeah. Okay. Now they tend to have. You see, the next number is seventeen percent have two. They tend to be more foxtail households. If you have mm. the means to get one, you'd likely to get two. Some households buy their own PVRs. Um, Any VCR still there? Uh, probably not. Um, That's right. You're not statistically mine, still sorry. still flashing twelve. Is it? <laughs> Um, I still don't know how to work. <laughs> the, the the thing that we find in households that don't have a PVR, there's still recording being, playback being happening. So what I mean by that is, so we know a household doesn't have a PVR. If we run those households against the data and say, how much playback do they have? We're finding people are playing back content. So that's using a smart TV as a PVR, going into ABC iView and watching Q&A from last night on the TV set without a PVR. I don't need to record stuff because I got it there. Taking a tablet and throwing it, throwing the image to the television set, and we're seeing it picks up the audio. Same type of thing. We can see playback. So that's happening. a stat that could even start dropping. Maybe like multiple TVs in the house. Well, I'm surprised it's that high. I would have thought that trend had already started. Really. So he thought it was high, and you thought, you thought it, was it was low. low. Yeah. Well, mm. you've talked me around though. Now <laughs> <laughs> I'm tending towards Dan. So one of the things we do when we when we um, and a lot of this information comes from is when we draw the sample, those 5,000 households in Australia that get meters, um, we, we recruit 10 times that amount every year for what we call the establishment survey. And, and it, it's probably the, one of the largest surveys around, and, and we compare it to the ABS, the government census data. Um, but what we ask is questions, all these technology questions that the government doesn't ask. So we have a pretty good read across Australia saying how many people have a PVR, how many people have a smart TV. So we use that information to make sure the panel's balanced on that. But we, we constantly surveying the market. Now, what I find in, in when I talk to people like you in the media or even my agency people, um, they tend to think about their own viewing in their own households. And there's a lot of households out there that don't have the means or still have one TV and watch as a group and sit down and watch television. Um, they don't have a PVR, and there's only there's 70% of the population that doesn't have Foxtel. And so they've got 19 free-to-air channels that they scroll through. They're watching more free-to-air. So there's you've got to think of it not as your own viewing or your own friend's viewing. Um, it's different in how we sample across Australia. It's, it's more representative than a media person's view. Yeah, look, I'll, I'll finish up in a minute with a couple of quick fire, a quick fire round of questions. Dan, you got anything else sort of weighty or meaty you want to I'm kind of tapped at this point, I think. All right, okay, good. Next All right, two well, of us. <laughs> <laughs> look, before you get out of here, let's fire off short answers, please, Doug, on some of these. Now, in the past, we led to believe some of those uh, early days of Oztan, there were some fiery board meetings made. Is it, is it a little bit calm around the board table these days? I mean, we... we Constantly looking at improving the measurement, um, so the board meetings run very smoothly. Yes, yes, okay. Not too much divergent opinions. No. Um, the growth of channels. You talked about. There's no real challenges for you when they add a channel because you just it's all audio matching. There's no dramas. Do you think we'll see many more channels? Um, I, w I would think so. Uh, compression technology will only improve over time. Um, the broadcasters can leverage that technology to squeeze more channels in. The, it's, it's a cost equation for them, whether they can afford the content to, to put more channels up and does it pay for itself. Um, that's, I don't have an uh, Is it capable? Yes. Will they do it? I don't know. We'll probably see a couple more coming. Sorry, just on that, was there any demand at all to start measuring the um, home shopping channels that started cropping up a few years ago? 
we we measure it anything that goes to the screen even uh, you know the radio channels that are on there because they're audio we can tell mm. when people have it on um there's no demand right now to put out the numbers um and release those figures but we're, we're measuring any audio that comes across that screen mm -hmm. so from a broadcast point of view we reference that and we went, but no yeah. one's asked us to break out that number were they, you, i was no. gonna say were they fairly comparable to your standard sort of digital multi-channel these days uh, look, the, the reach number's high, but the average audience isn't that large. Um, mm. So they're reaching a lot of people. People will tune past and say, oh, wow, look at that gadget. Yeah. And then you look might get sucked up. in. Yeah, look at that yeah. steam up again. Um, so it reaches, uh, you know, millions of people watch these channels. Uh, the measure for those, success for those channels is how many mops they're selling. Mm. And I think they're doing quite well. Um, that's their measure. But we, we do capture the data. Well, just on that, I mean, how can you measure the audio channel, the music channels, and something like the home shopping, but you don't know what's on Netflix? Well, because the broadcast signal coming into our reference site, we just put that audio channel on there, and we, we capture and record that channel. Netflix is... Because it's on demand. It, on it's demand makes stream. it... It's not a stream. It's not a linear okay. channel. Then it's harder, because I would have to take every piece of Netflix content, which would be... 7,000 pieces of content. Yeah. Um, I think about like 3,000. Oh, no, less than 3, that. 3,000 like, yeah. yeah. Actually, a report came out in the U.S. that their, their content it's diminishing. It, it's starting to, it's starting to shrink a bit. Mm. It's going to get competitive in that space as well. Yeah. Well, as they become a global network, it's going to become you know, smaller, limited number of titles, but more original yeah, stuff. So, so I still think he secretly knows how many people watching Netflix, but he's not going to tell us. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Um, one, one other good question we had from uh, social media today was about Another stat we're seeing creeping into a lot of releases is the national figure. Yeah. Why won't I get it that there's regional TAM and there's OzTAM, but why won't we see some figure released of national audiences regularly? So the the, the two samples at the moment are, are are owned by regional TAM and then OzTAM. Um, they're weighted separately. The the national the the metro markets are weighted to the population there. The Regional TAM markets are weighted to their population. It, it Technically, you'd have to put all the sample together and then reweight it to the population. So there'd be a difference in terms of how we do that. Um, it's really getting down Does to... Does that agreement. mean adding the two isn't... It, it, adding it's okay on thousands, but what you really want is a reach figure. And then that's a little bit different. So you have to reweight the panel. And then when you run an advertising campaign across, you can say... How many people say if you put spots in Bendigo and Sydney, you could then say how many people were reached. That's what the advertising agencies are kind of asking for, is to get to a national panel. I would have thought we would head that direction once once if the media laws changed okay. and there was consolidation. Um, we work closely with regional TAM. I guess the best thing that we have going is um, that Nielsen are measuring both. And so we don't have two separate suppliers. Um, the methodology is very similar. So putting it together, we've run trials on weighting it. Um, and so we'll work with them. Hopefully we'll get to a national panel and have one panel. But it's, it, it's got a few hurdles to get through. Last one from me. What's the next stage in this measuring of, of um, streaming on uh, di uh, digital mobile devices? Where do we go to next and when? So the first report that we put out in the VPM, Video Player Measurement Service, we put out a seven-day rolling report. Um, in the next few weeks, we'll put out a 28-day rolling report because what we're seeing is on those devices that content has a longer shelf life. So we're seeing content that may over seven so days… So more catch-up. 
it's more catch up. That'll be the, the next one is 28 day. Then we're, we've got a live we're capturing live now and we're, we're trying to work our way through how do we report that and it's a little bit trickier than just um, catch up. Um, so we're, we're capturing it all. Um, we've got good coverage across all the broadcasters. Um, this, this, when we, when we build a TV ratings panel, we don't have the broadcasters. We don't ask them to do anything. We find a household, we put a meter in a household and we get the data back and we tell them the answer. When we go to the broadcaster's player, we have to ask them to put this piece of software in their player to give us the answer. And so we had to build that up across all the broadcasters. Now, it's not just one player. Channel 10 has an iOS player for 10Play, has an Android player. It has you know, a, a, a browser-based player. So you have to, they have to put the code in it. Every time they do an upgrade, that code needs to travel with that player. And so we've built to that. Now we've got what we call census-level data. It's not anything to do with the government census. It's device census level for their player. We've got good coverage now. So the next stage is to go 28-day, see how that tail looks. Um, live, and then also get demographics because I don't know who's on the other end of that device. And that, that's a little bit tricky and it's probably a full-day podcast. And just to make it clear to me what, again. What are you doing next week? To <laughs> <laughs> so make We're, it clear to me demos. again, and as you explained it earlier on, but the data from you is wanted by the agencies because the pure numbers from the broadcaster only give you that device number. It doesn't give you... A, demographics of the audience, the number of the audience, that sort of stuff. You From, give a richer data. We, we will when we release that data to yeah. the market in total. Yes. We'll get to that. That will be all the data coming through, and we'll have demographics that say how many people watched Home and Away on Ketchup. Mm. Now, ideally, what you want to do is put it back to TV because you want to see how many people are watching it here and here or the combination of both. And that's the trickiest part is bringing that to market. All righty. Yeah. Well, that's good. I think we should uh, – that's been a heavy session, but I think it's interesting to, to hear all that stuff. And um, a lot of people have a lot of, you know, interest in, in ratings, how, they, how they're calculated and uh, yeah. what the future holds. Uh, Doug, this has been absolutely fascinating. Thanks so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. I'm sure people listening feel the same. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. And if you've stayed to the end, well done. And for those that stayed, I'd just like to remind people to check out the website, mediaweek.com.au. Check us out on Twitter, Facebook. Connect with us. Yeah. And yeah, subscribe and to the podcast. Ostam.com.au. They've got coverage maps. They've got uh, calendars for the survey weeks. If you uh, like getting into all that stuff, plenty of information there for you and your friends. Thanks for the plug. <laughs>